you've reached your destination. Welcome to Harmonic Headspace. Music for your psyche. Let's do this! Happy Sunday, everybody. You have reached Harmonic Headspace. This is the icing to the cake that is your weekend. Uh, it's been a couple weeks since we've been here. Uh, we have no Astro tonight. I think he is uh, saving a music industry in a different galaxy because he is the music superhero. Uh, but we do have the great Lou Freight with us tonight, local recording artist, and really excited to have him here. Hello, Lou. How are you doing? Hey, Josh. Thanks for, uh, thanks for inviting me on. Sure. So uh, Lou is here from uh, jumping back and forth from Florida and Concord, right? That's right. Yeah. yeah. Um, uh, I have uh, had the pleasure of working with Lou in uh, some past projects, and he's uh, actually influenced one of my favorite songs um, that has been played on this. Uh, it's been released. Uh, we'll hear that later. We're also going to hear a bunch of uh, Lou's songs. We're going to talk to him about his uh, really cool experience uh, recording his latest album in Nashville. So um, there's a video out uh, of him doing the recording in Nashville, and it is legit. Yeah. It's, it's really cool. I, I enjoyed watching that. Yeah, it was it was interesting because it was a big thing for me to, to actually record a, a record. You know, it was one of those bucket list things all my life. And and I figured I want to document it. So a good friend of mine um, produces movies and such. And uh, I asked him to come along and he, he came down and, and documented the process of what it was. And it's it's good to look back on it because when I was there the day to day, it just happens in such a whirlwind that, you know, you get to go back and step back and look at it. Right. That's yeah, that's cool, and uh, it's like a half an hour documentary, or a yeah, I think more? it's about thirty-five minutes. Yeah, 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 that's cool, and it's like, it's professional. Well, yeah, that's what he does. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, I mean, and um, they show uh, all the players playing. They show the producer producing, right. and uh, they show how Lou kind of directed in a way, but yeah, I mean, I think on on that record, I. Um, it was produced by John Kennedy. Uh, he's a producer out of Nashville. And at the end, when we were all done, I was you know, putting out the metadata for the release. And uh, I had John as the, produc the producer in production. He said, well, you got to put your name on there because you, you were involved in this production. And that was really the first experience I had about what a producer is versus what a musician is what, versus what a songwriter is. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, so I think I, I was in somewhat producing that. Yeah. Um, but he was, he was kind of the man behind that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, so what uh, we're, we're going to listen to Lou's uh, influences uh, here uh, first, and then we'll talk about the influences, uh, and then we're, we'll jump into listening to Lou's music. And I think I think you all will be uh, really interested to hear his uh, influences, which are you know the Stones, Aerosmith, Pink Floyd. You know, uh, a lot of the same influences as me. And um, but when you hear the record, you'll hear that in it. But you hear some other stuff, too. Uh, and it's really, really interesting. Uh, and it's going to be a, a great show to talk about. And uh, right now we're just going to jump in and listen to some of Lou's influences. <laughs> 
All right, you just heard Honky Tonk Woman, and before that was No More, No More by Aerosmith. Uh, we are here with Lou Freight, and uh, we were trying to, we were about to play Mother by Pink Floyd, but it didn't, it didn't work, uh, <laughs> but that's okay, a little technical difficulty. It's live radio. <laughs> so uh, we are jumping back in here. So uh, let's talk about your influences. Tell us uh, how you got into music. Well, I, I you know, I, and I remember in like first or second grade, you know, the, the, they would come through the class when they had music class back then, and, and they would showcase these different instruments, you know, the sousaphone and the violin and the, you know, tuba, whatever. And I jumped on the violin. It was like the first one they did, and I said, I want to I play an instrument. It sounded cool, so I signed up. I ended up playing violin all the way from second grade into high school I played in orchestras and things like that wow and uh yeah and if I picked one up now I could never make it (laughs) never do anything with it but it was a great way to learn music and to tune your ear because there's no frets on it and you have to hit the right note and you have to be in sync with with uh, obviously the other players in the orchestra Mm -hmm. so I you know I learned the basic about reading music and 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 you know all that type of stuff and but it really honed my ear and then that was an easy transition to a guitar and then a guitar into a piano and and then and, and on the road down there. So do you still play um, all Violin. of those instruments? Yeah. <laughs> no, no, no. I, no. I'm, I'm primarily guitar and, and piano. I play a lot on the piano. I play harmonica. Um, you know, I play bass and, and strings, things like that. But, uh, but mm-hmm. really guitarist and piano is, is what I do mostly. Nice. So tell us about, uh, about the... How you got into being like being in a band and, and why these influences have kind of influenced you? Well, I, I joined a band in probably middle school, I don't know, seventh, eighth grade, 13 years old, 12, 13 years old. Uh, and, you know, I just wanted to play music. You know, I, I wasn't really good at sports, I was good at music. Uh, so I, you know, I hooked up with a couple of other guys and, and we played covers and we played music. And, you know, it was kind of fun and, and no one wanted to sing back <laughs> in the day. And, uh, and, you know, so. I used to jump on and sing because we didn't have a singer, mm-hmm. you know, and, and uh, so I ended up being the, the singer for the band, the early bands. And then, you know, as I got, o- got older in high school, we started playing clubs around Boston and, mm-hmm. and you know, frat parties and things like that. Mm-hmm. And it just started. And, then we, and, and in that process, we, we wrote music because when you played some of those clubs back in the day, like, you know, the Middle East and T.T. the Bear and, and those types of places around Boston, they had original nights in the channel. We played the channel back when. Nice. And, you know, you, you, you play original music. So then we forced us to, to write music. And, and that's when I started writing things. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and I, I kind of like that. And then, you know, it went to four tracks and you record and, you know, your own music and pinging stuff down. This was all before digital. And, um, you know, that, I, then I kind of kind of get into the recording thing. And mm-hmm. then that gets into production and, and mm-hmm. all that stuff. So right. that was kind of my road, you know. Yeah. Uh, did you used to go to shows when you were young? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Nice what did you see? Who's, your, who's the greatest well, band? My first seen? concert was Aerosmith, as a matter of fact. It nice. was at the Lynn Manning Bowl, 1984. They played the Lynn Manning Bowl. It was, it was a great show. They opened that, up your a, first concert was in 1984? 84, yeah. Holy moly. Rats in the Cellar they opened up with. What a great song. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. The first song you ever heard live. That's, That's right. Yeah. That was, yeah. My first concert was Brian Adams in 1986. There you go. Yeah. yeah. That was a great I've seen him. He's, he's pretty good. He's awesome. He's yeah. He rocks. Yeah. I mean, he was kind of pigeonholed into R&B and pop. Right. But 
he's a great guitar player, great songwriter. Uh, I mean, he's he's a rock guy. He just didn't have a rock band, right? You know, right. So I, I think it probably production took him into the direction of doing that rather than being a dude in a band. Yeah, you know, because you know, great songwriter though. I mean, yeah, he wrote a lot yeah, of great songs. Awesome, awesome songwriter. Yeah. So uh, we're here with Lou Freight today. Uh, we are Wave Radio Boston. You can uh, call in if you want to the Abrews listener line at 617-829-9283. You can text us at 617-764-9283. Um, you can find us on Facebook at Wave Radio, uh, Wave Radio Boston Rocks. Um, and the cool thing about that is there's all kinds of... Um, Things going on on Facebook. So we talk about the people who come in. We talk about, uh, we, we sometimes do like, um, uh, I don't know, not contests, but um, like head-to-head votes on what's better um, for like certain um, genres. And, and so we did like a, uh, a match mar- uh, uh, March Madness uh, where we did, uh, you know, best songs from like uh, four different generations. So check us out on Facebook, too. But, uh, you know, give us a call. Uh, talk to Lou. Ask, uh, ask some questions. Um, because, yeah, we like to interact with you. So uh, we're going to jump into a block of Lou's music. Um, we're going to play Mad World, Lucky One, and OK Someday. Before we play it, are these songs that you wrote a long time ago? No, this this album. I mean, I've been writing for years and years, but this particular mm-hmm. album was interesting because, you know, I I got away from music, you know, for probably ten, fifteen years. I mean, I still noodled around, but I didn't really write anything. And then I said, you know, I'm going to write. I'm just going to write music. And you know, I was I was having our our boys. We had we have twin boys, and and it was kind of the period before um, they were born and after they were born. And and I was, you know, my life was changing. And I was, you know, you have kids and everything, like it shattered, a completely different thing. So I wasn't sleeping a lot. So I would get up in the middle of the night. <laughs> right. And I'd go down into the studio and I would just, you know, record stuff. And, and, I, and I wrote these songs. I wrote, I probably wrote 12, nine of them made it to the, to the record. But they're all fresh and they're all new. And I wanted to go in that and said, you know, I want to capture this point in my life. And, mm-hmm. uh, and so this is what came out. Nice. So they're all new. Yeah. This next go around, because um, I'm in the process now of doing it again in Nashville. Oh, really? Uh, oh, yeah. Yeah, we're doing the second one. And I get so much music now, I think it might, might end up with a double, hopefully. Oh, really? Yeah, but um, but I pulled some of the old stuff that I had written years ago mm-hmm. uh, and, and finished off a bunch of stuff. And things. Yeah. But I wrote some new stuff as well. But this particular record is all, all new stuff. Cool. All right, let's jump in and listen to Mad World. Figured out. 
Shines in the window on a cold night Some kind of vigilance somewhere Somehow you hold on Nights are long and you find some solace in an old song Remember the promise that's long gone Somehow you gotta move on
Oh, yeah, that was Hey, Hello by Lou Freight. Before that, we heard OK Someday, and before that was Mad World. These are off of Lou's newly released album, which came out uh, a couple months ago, right? March. In March, released yeah. released in March, yeah. Yeah. Um, and the name of the album is? Lucky One. Lucky One. Why, Lucky One. why did you name it Lucky One? Uh, well, there was a song, Lucky One, but yeah. I, I just think I've been, been immensely blessed in my life, and, mm-hmm. and, and I'm, I'm lucky, man. And, yeah. uh, and that one particular song is, is probably the only autobiographical one, and it, it, it's a little bit about my life. And that, that's, a, you know, I'm, I'm just, I'm, that's where it came from. Yeah. So I thought it was appropriate, you know. Yeah, that's cool. Um, so we're not going to play Lucky One, but I want to hear more about uh, that. That song? No, about uh, well, yeah, about the song, what it's about, and and why you think you're lucky. Uh, it's really about my relationship with my wife, mm-hmm. you know, and it's really the whole courting and you meet and how it's like, and you know, that's it's that's really what it is. And and again, it came from a time where I was having my kids, and, and I wrote that before they were born. And I stopped and I looked around. And I'm like, man, I'm lucky, you yeah. know. And and so that's that was the inspiration for that one. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah, your um, all of your music is is positive, even though like we just heard "Hey Hello," which kind of had a sad. It's in a minor key. Yeah, it's um, but it's still like a positive feeling. Like um, when I heard "Hey Hello," there there's so much to that song, right? Like when I th- when I l- listen to that song, it it kind of transcends genders for me. Um, when you listen to um, the the guitar, right? Yeah, it's rock. I when think you it's Pink Floyd, you know, it's yeah, yeah. yeah I definitely hear some Pink Floyd, especially at the beginning. Yeah, and at, at the, the end, end that solo with yeah. the solo, so totally Pink Floyd on the on right. the uh, on the end. But you do chord changes in the middle, like during the solo, where you go like up a step. Yeah, right. There's one key change in there. Yeah. That is very R and B. Well, I mean, that's, I, I mean, I, I grew up listening to the Stones and, and mm-hmm. you know, as, as being a big Stones fan, you just evolve into what their influences were. And, mm-hmm. and you know, that's Muddy Waters and, mm-hmm. and Howlin' Wolf and, you know, mm-hmm. Roger, you know yeah. Robert Johnson and that stuff. So yeah. I think that kind of underlies, but the Stones were a big, big influence, yeah. you know, for and, me. And then when you hear, um, you can taste the Nashville country yeah. in there. Yeah. I can't put my finger on what it is. It's a little bit to your voice, though. Your voice is very good for country, you even think? though you're not a country guy. Yeah. Um, and it actually, so I, I hear rock. I hear like psychedelic class, classic, classic rock. rock yeah. I hear R&B and I hear country all on that song that is its own unique thing. It doesn't like jump from genres. It's, it is you. Yeah. And I think that's really cool. Well, I wanted a country flair in it, which is why I ended up in Nashville as opposed to New York or even in Boston. And, and the stuff in Miami, you can do, you can do stuff down there. If you want a Latin feel, you go to Miami. You know? Yeah, right. So if you want a, a, you know, you go to L.A. I suppose if you want a, a, a rocking you yeah. know, type of thing. But uh, I wanted to get, I wanted to get a country uh, overtone mm. in it. But I didn't want to be hardcore country. I mean, Snowberry Lane is a, that's a two-step in country song. I don't know if you're going to be playing that one, but that's, you know, that. That's hardcore country, and, yeah. and uh, I think it, I think it's a, you know, you get that in Nashville. Yeah, you know? yeah. So uh, talk about "Okay Someday." "Okay Someday" is, is a uh, a neat song. I think it was, um, you know, it's a it's a conflict. It's a song about a conflict, right? So it's a conflict. It's anybody that's been in a crappy relationship that you know you love somebody and then you hate them at the same time, and and you know you you 
you're breaking up, but you're having these you know great times. That whole conflict is what I wanted in the song, and I, and I wanted to take the music and, and and have that you know have that conflict so fast to slow and you know hit you in the face and just bang 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 bang. I wanted that. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, I think it came out with like a Coldplay kind of. Um, feel type yeah. thing to it, mm-hmm. um, but I wanted to capture that conflict, which is what the song's really about. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then talk about Mad World. Yeah, Mad World was an interesting thing. We were just talking about this. I, I woke up one morning in my head, and I had that ba da ba 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 da ba ba ba. That was in my in my head. Um, so I, I got my my iPhone and I put the voice memo and I recorded and I went back to sleep. Ba da ba ba while you're in bed. Yeah, I was in my uh, wife looks sure your wife loved that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but then I got and I, and I tinkered on the piano. I figured it out, and it, it just works in, in, on a guitar and A. You know, it's just one of those A riff type things. Um, so I did that, and and uh, and then the song kind of fell in place. But I, I thought that song was just like a filler song. It, it's a pretty simple song. Um, I was thinking about like "Get Your Wings," like the Aerosmith "Get Your Wings" for that. You know, mm. that that type of like something like "Spaced" or mm-hmm. or "SOS" or something. You know, something like that kind of sound on it from the, from mm-hmm. that album. Um, but when John got a hold of it, he, 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 you know, he put that, it's still rocking, I think, but it's got that country line dancing kind of beat to it, I think. Mm. And I loved what the, with the riffs and how these guys played it in the solo ones, just fantastic. So, you know, it's, um, I think I'm happy the way it came out. I like yeah. the way it came out. Yeah. Uh, talk about your, like your writing process and the vision. So yeah. you, 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 you said that, you know, you woke up the, with this one and, um, with it in your head the riff yeah that that's how almost all songs come to me so how like what's the process for like how does a song get written by you it it really happens two ways josh and one way which i think is fantastic it just kind of it's in my head and it's it's like done not not completely done but you you have the the melodies there you have the vision of yep yeah yep snowberry lane on this album was like that um there's that or i have a riff or a chord progression or something and I'll, I'll just sit down and I'll, I'll play it, you know, and, and I'll, I'll find a, a looped drum beat mm-hmm. for it and I'll mm-hmm. try different drum beats until I get something that I think is groovy or, or hits right. And then I'll start layering things over it. And, and then as I'm in that process, it, it changes, it takes me different places. I may write a different bridge or a break or, or something, you know, tempo changes, whatever it is, but it's in the process of of overdubbing, you know, layer after layer that, that it develops into something. Mm-hmm. And, you know, di- doing stuff digitally is great because you can cut and paste and move everything around. And, yeah. And, uh, you know, so it, it's one of those two ways. Yeah. Which is very different than when I was first started writing when I was playing in bands because we would just sit in a room and, and we'd, you know, we'd work it out and we'd play it all night long. And, mm-hmm. and, and you know, it's a different process. Totally. But when you're doing it alone, you, you, can't, you can't do that. You know? Yeah. So... Yeah, I, I I agree. Like those two ways happen to me too. Mostly, it's I wake up in the you know at three a.m. and there's a song in my head. Sometimes it's a it's a a, a full song, and I know I, I have the vision. I just right. need to go and work out what is the bass really doing, right, right, what is right. guitar really doing, and what am I saying. Um, and then you know sometimes I'm just like jamming around, and I find a riff. I'm like I got to remember that riff. And I put it down, I record it, and it evolves. But you're an interesting. But the times I've played with you, you're you're more cerebral about what you play, right? So so you're thinking out bass lines, and you're thinking about how things transition from one to the other. Mm-hmm. 
uh, I, I don't, I don't really don't have the patience for that. I really don't. <laughs> I, I just, I kind of ad lib it all. Yeah. And, and it just ends up where it is and some things I like and I may, you know, build off of that or whatever, but yeah, I don't think things through as a musician, as a player or, mm-hmm. or a writer. I just kind of slap it down. Yeah. It, well, it comes together great. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, that's, that's the whole production side of it, you yeah. know, because there's one, and then I never realized this when, when you're playing in a band and you're, you're working solo and you're not working really with anybody, just, you know, a bunch of teenagers doing stuff, you end up doing the writing and the production and the presentation and everything, the mix, it's all, you do it all yourself. And, you know, what I learned in, in going to Nashville and working with, with professionals is that, you know, that stuff gets outsourced, right? So the producer oversees the whole thing and, and he works with the artist for the vision but the artists themselves the guitarist the bass line they're they're thinking through all that as the players and, and they it comes together and that works better for me because i just don't have the patience to, to mm. actually write the music mm. you know what i mean which yeah. is which yeah isn't, but i think you were different yeah yeah um i i um I play and overplay and overplay right. all my guitar riffs, bass lines, everything hundreds of times right. until it's exactly the way I want it. Yeah, not me. And then I go back and I change it again yeah, and so again yeah, and me. again. It's hard because like then nothing's ever done. Right. right? Even though, even after I've released, like I have a couple songs that I've released and I'm like, there's something I didn't do when I wanted to do. Why was I such an idiot? And I didn't, mandate that to happen before I said, okay, this is done. So, you know, I'm sure probably all of the songs I've <laughs> released are probably going to be re-released again with some new ideas. Yeah. And, you know, it's just like, it's never ending, but that's art. That's like the love of creating music. Right. Right. But there's a struggle. When is it done? When do you put it away? And yeah. Not go back to it. I mean, yeah. that's that to me, you know, so for me, you know, it's a lot, it's a lot easier to take the song, take the idea and the demo, hand it off to a producer and let them put their art into it. Let them put their talents into it. Mm-hmm. And what I learned, at least how, how John Kennedy does it, is he takes the musicians and he lets them put their art in it. And he does very little direction on them. He's like, you know, you, you, I can tell them what to play and they'll play exactly what we tell them to play, but you're going you're gonna to stifle all of the creativity and the, and the magic is not going to happen. Mm. You know, which is, you know, which there's, there's a lot to be said about that. Yeah. From yeah. my and experience. There's, a, and that's, I think, the third way. So we talked about the two ways that we write because right. we're solo. But the third way is the thing that you and I don't have right now because we're not in an active band. Right. And when, like, when we played together, while you're playing the song and while we're jamming some one song for 20 minutes right. straight. Right. There's some magic that happens, yeah. and it's magic that never happens to me when I'm sitting in my chair all alone. I don't know if it happens to you. Right. I feel like it's it's just this energy, the musical energy that comes from more than one musician in a room doing something, you doing something to my song that I would have never thought of. Right. And then it like trips this endorphine thing in my brain. I'm like, oh my God, that was awesome. And then it forces me to react from it and change my baseline to do play off what you just did. Right. And then sooner or later, an hour later, this magic has transformed my song to what it was in my solo room to this kind of new and more awesome thing. Right. And I, I miss that. That's the total experience I had in, in Tennessee. Nice. Is that right there. Yeah. Um, and you know, some of the stuff is more like the demos were, 
Um, but some of it is like way out. It's, it's like a completely different place and, mm. and, and it's a, it's a good thing. Yeah. So let's jump into some more music and, uh, we will talk to you on the flip side.
10 till 3 and I can't sleep Just trying to work out where I'll be Nothing remains, I can tell you why Close the door, man, and let it ride To the big wide world It's all out there At least that's what I'm told The air is cool And the sky is black All I can tell you Is I won't be back Now baby hold on Little baby Keep holding on world ain't right man there's something wrong but i can't tell you what's going on well i guess now it's time to go So baby, keep holding on 
reach your destination. Welcome to Harmonic Headspace, music for your psyche. Let's do this! Yes, we are here with Lou Freight on Harmonic Headspace. This is the icing to the cake. That is your weekend. Welcome back. Uh, we have our listener, our Abru listener line blowing up as usual. Hmm. Looks like uh, Dave Grohl. No, no. Grohl. No, uh, Dave, who's that guy? I I'm not going to answer that <laughs> one. Uh, but if you want to call, uh, the number is 617-829-9283. And if you want to text us, 617-764-9283. 9283 spells wave, just in case you can't figure out the number letter <laughs> thing on your phone, like me. Um, also, uh, if you want to hear your original music on Wave Radio Boston, you can email us at media at waveradioboston.com. Uh, send a song or two, MP3s, please, or links to them. Uh, tell us a little about uh, about yourself. Uh, we have a bunch of different kinds of uh, shows. I mean, we have singer-songwriter shows. We have uh, soul. We have uh, like hard rock. We have this harmonic headspace, which is Gen X. We have all kinds of different shows. So whatever type of music you play, we can find a match for you. Um, so yeah, send us an email at media at waveradioboston.com. Join the real radio revolution and say F you to FM. Like it. Yeah. So, you know, it's, uh, yeah, we love it too. And we, we, we had a party with the, um, all the DJs here a couple of weeks ago. Yeah. And it was really cool to have like all the different DJs and everyone's got a, a big personality. Everyone is so nice and cool to hang out with. Um, unpredictable, uh, but it was it was really cool and um, so yeah I mean there's so many different kinds of shows we we pride ourselves on um, on shows that are kind of what you would want to hear if radio was like back what it was in what the it used to be instead yeah. of just a corporate churn out the same songs over and over exactly right. exactly right. so we we don't play the same songs right. and it, uh, when uh, Astro and I build our shows. If there's a song, if like we're focusing on a certain genre or, um, you know, like we, we do shows with what our first shows that we did back in um, like March, I think it was, um, we were like, okay, what do you do for your kickoff show? First, it was our first show. So we we're like, why don't we do, what are the best first songs from the first albums from all bands? There so, you, like, you know, Good Times, Bad Times, right. Led Zeppelin and right. stuff like that. One Way Street. Yeah. Aerosmith. Oh, there you go. Great Is that song. first song on the first album? No, it's not the first song on the first album. Yeah. I don't even know what the first song. Dream On, I think, isn't it? Uh, no, uh, I don't remember, but I don't think so because no. I think we had we played the Aerosmith one. On, I can't remember. But either yeah. way, yeah. like so that's what we do. Uh, and so later in the season or in, in later shows, if, uh, you know, we're doing a deep dive or we have some kind of, you know, segment um, um, like – uh, what's what's the word for it? But um, like the reason that the um, topic of the show, right? If there's a song that comes up that we've already played, we'll be like, "Oh, we already played that." 
we played mm. that four weeks ago we can't do it so right. we'll choose a different song because it's like we think deeply about like the songs that we play so a lot of the songs tonight um you know we we played Seeger before, but we didn't play Accompany Me. Right. We played a lot of Led Zeppelin, but we haven't played Over the Hills and Far Away and that kind of stuff. Mm. So, you know, we, we try to make this the kind of radio that people want it to be. You know what I mean? So that's why we say FU to FM. Amen. <laughs> Makes sense. So, all right, let's talk about your music again. Uh, talk about January Woman. January Woman. That's a, that's a neat song. Um, I was thinking, like, matter of fact, I had a conversation with the bass player when we were doing this, and, and you'd appreciate this because he was playing a particular way, and, and I said, "Man, you got to think more Earth, Wind, and Fire." So in my <laughs> mind, in my mind, it was like a funk thing or something. Um, I, I don't. That song was one of the ones that that didn't. It just came as I was playing it. I had that little uh, guitar riff, um, and I just put the chords together, and 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 you know, as I was recording it, um, so it didn't it didn't gel early on. It kind of came together. Um, but, you know, it, it, the idea came when I was I used to travel for work and I'd be sitting in an airport. Right. And sometimes if you have a connecting flight, you get stuck. Mm-hmm. And I would be sitting at the bar and I'd see all these road warriors. Right. They're all traveling. They're sitting at the bar. They're sitting all alone. And and, you know, they're they're, they're drinking and they're like, oh, man, I'm stuck and the snow's coming down. And mm. so I thought about it. I mean, these people evidently you know, there's a whole population that does it and they end up talking. And this is a story about two people that get stuck and they you know, they fall prey to the temptation. Oh. I'll, I'll leave it at that. Really? Oh, that's yeah. cool. So that was the, the idea behind it. Nice. Uh, what about Baby Hold On? That was, uh, that, that came of the time, like, with, with the kids after they were born because, you know, they would, you know, they would, uh, well, actually, it was probably before I wrote the lyrics, before they were born, but I, it, was, it was weighing heavy on me because I know it's a huge responsibility. And, you know, the kid's going to be born in a couple months and, it's three o'clock in the morning. And my eyes are staring up at the ceiling. I'm like, oh man, I'm, what am I going to do? I'm, mm-hmm. I mean, this is a complete change because you know it's a. Uh, anyone who has kids knows what I'm talking about. Yeah. So it was, it was really capturing that, you know, and, it, and it's a typical, you know, I think a cliche about someone just, you know, shutting the door and walking out in their life and getting on a motorcycle and just taking off. You know, mm-hmm. that that's that's it's like a runaway song. You know, yeah. get away from your problems. Yeah. Type of thing. Um. And I guess that came from, you know, the weight, the weight of the responsibility that was coming probably. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so that, so again, both newer songs. They're all brand new. Yeah. Yeah. Those yeah. Are all brand new. Uh, all right. Luxury Girl. Yeah. That was, the, that, you know, again, a big Stones fan. I was thinking Exile on Main Street. That was so bluesy. Yeah. But it was it, when I, and that's, a, that's another, in, another good example of how a producer can take a song in a completely different way. Mm. Uh, w- when I demoed that, it was it was blues, like literally, like right out of exile. It was just that, you know, just straight blues. I had I it played a lot like of Big I Ten a lot inch of honky record. tonk. It ended up like Big <laughs> yeah. Ten inch record, yeah. <laughs> but it's not, and I had a lot of honky tonk lick piano piano licks in there. That was really a piano focused guitar, and I like to play boogie woogie piano, and so I, it was really a boogie woogie kind of thing. Um, but they made it, you know, they produced it and, and, and it ended up, I think, Big Ten, Big Ten Inch is probably the closest. Yeah. I can think about that, yeah. Which I'm happy with. You know? Yeah, totally. Happy, totally. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, all right. Six awesome songs. Uh, well, thank you very there much. Are th- yeah, there are three more that are also awesome. Um, and we have all your songs now, so they'll be played, yeah. you know, during the station at different Well, I appreciate time, that. Cool. Thank you. 
Um, but I want to I want to talk about the whole recording and production process. Like, mm. what was that like? Tell me, like, starting with okay, I had four songs and I made a call. Like, tell tell me when, where was your music when you decided that you wanted to do this, and then when that spark happened and you knew. Tell me about the journey. I, I guess it came in when I I went out and I bought Studio One. Oh, nice! So I went into Guitar you have Center, and I bought Studio One. Uh, you and me are like the. Do you use uh, that? Yeah, yes, well, you, I you, do. I love right. it. Yeah, yeah. So, and I didn't know how to use it. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I had no idea. So I, I and I started fooling around with it, um, and I said, "Wow, this is crazy!" Because everything's in there. You get all the all the effects. You got you can you can do everything with the thing. So I'm like, ah, well, this is great. I'm going to make an album. Mm. I've always wanted to make a record. I'm going to make a record. I'm going to do it myself. Yeah. Because that's, you know, that's what it was. And you've written songs before, so you knew you could do it. I knew, and I wanted to see if I could write again because I hadn't written for a lot of time. But I said, look, can I write a song? And yeah, I I, I still can. So so I said, I'm going to make a record. So I made, I wrote these nine, maybe 10, one I never, I don't think I finished. Um, But, and I just, I figured I was going to do it myself. Mm. So I made a demo and I, and I, produced it as best I can all by myself playing all the instruments and 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 doing everything I can and with the playing keyboard you can put brass and you can put yeah. strings and you can do all that stuff so and I and I had studied music in college and I can do four-part writing and all that kind of stuff so mm-hmm. it was kind of getting into writing the the strings and all that kind of stuff the harmonies so you know and and I said I'll do it myself and I, so I made this you know what is really a demo of, of and I'm like this is my album yeah and, and then you know then I was, was it those nine songs yeah, it was the same nine songs, and then I was. Listening. Why didn't you take the old songs that you had written before? Because I just wanted to capture this point in my life. Oh, okay, that's, you know that's interesting. And I wanted to challenge myself: Can I write a new song? You know, can I? Yeah. Can I still do it? You know, yeah. when you're younger, everything's emotion, and you know, everything's just magnified. You know, <laughs> uh, so I just I don't remember. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's kind of foggy, but yeah, no, but you know, so I that way I wanted to challenge myself that way, and I mm-hmm. liked the way it was going, so I just did it. Yeah. You know, but then I realized when I listened to the final product, I'm like, you know, this, it's not as good as it can be. Um, and I think you turned me on to, to um, the idea of, of, of uh, it's called Sound Better or something like that. Is that yes, Sound called? Better. Yeah, that's, yes. Where, that's where I went to find John Kennedy, who's the producer for this. Okay. Um, and yes. then, then, I, then talking to him, you know, uh, I didn't realize that, that you know, I, he would you know, quarterback the whole thing and hire mm-hmm. the musicians and put together the studio and, and, and do all, I didn't realize it was that hand turnkey. And yeah. I'm like, well, this is just, this is just an easy way for me to get a record. Yeah. Um, and, and you know, I, I'm doing it again. So yeah. it's, you know, it's. All right. So you, you, you realize that you're a point where, all right, I have this software. Let me see if I can do it. Yeah. Did you have any of the songs written at that time, or are you starting from scratch? Uh, no, they were all starting from scratch. I didn't have songs at the time. Okay, so how long no. did it take you? I had some write? songs, and I think um, I had some. I, w- I had demoed some of the stuff that I'd written earlier to learn the software, mm-hmm. but I didn't put any of them on this first album. So how long did it take you to write nine songs? Uh, maybe six months. Wow. That's five, that's six months, incredible. maybe. Incredible. That's incredible. Is it? No. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, uh, I would. Well, they're three chord wonders, right? So, What's that? They're three chord wonders. There's no, there's, you know, they're yeah, not. They're, <laughs> it doesn't matter. They're great songs. I mean, there's, there's Stevie Nicks. Uh, what's, what's that song? 
one of one of the Fleetwood Mac songs, Mac songs is has zero changes. It's yeah. two two chords. It's like G to A. Um, I think it might be Dreams, but I can't yeah. remember. But it's That's one a simple of, song. Yeah. One of Stevie Nick, and it's one of the greatest rock songs. Yeah. Well, definitely one of Fleetwood Mac songs. But there's two chords, and there are no changes. Right. So, you know, doesn't doesn't matter. It really doesn't matter. Like it, what you put around those two to three chords is what makes it right. amazing. Right. You know what I mean? Right. So yeah, it's all good. So, I, but I think that's incredible. Like six months. Oh God, I wish I could write two songs in six months. I wrote two. I wrote. I wrote two over the weekend because <laughs> that's I, amazing. You know, I, my, my wife was. Uh, I got a place up in Maine, and she was up there with the kids, and mm. and I was always back at my house, and 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 I had I was down, you know, making things, and I and I I laid down two new ones. You yeah, know, they're. they're uh, so it comes pretty quick for me. Yeah. You know? and, and it's good because I don't have to produce them. I don't have to think about the whole thing because if I want to put this on this next album, I could just put the rough song with, you know, with yep. bass and drums and guitar and maybe keyboards on it yep. and just hand it off and, and, and know that it's going to end up in a professional way. Right. You know, so it's, it, for me, that's, that's easy and it's great. Yeah. You know, All it's right. Good so value. Let's, let's, let's take the walk. So you wrote, so you wrote six songs in six months. Did you make the call? after they were done or did you were you like on a roll and be like oh my god no I'm it was about to finish done. when it was all done i said you know i listened to it and i didn't really like it i mean i liked it but i, I didn't I, I think i thought it could be better no i mean the uh so at the point so you write nine songs yeah uh did you make the call to nashville before they were done no be, okay so they were done yeah. and then you made the call and said i have nine songs i want to go and have you produce that's right. I, I sent him that demo. All right. So then uh, talk about when you got there. How did it all unfold? I, I didn't know what to expect. Yeah. And, and I, again, I was coming off my experience was you have to write and produce and play. Everything's centralized, right? So I think I went into it with that, that attitude, you know, and that, on my, that responsibility on my shoulders. Mm-hmm. And I was trying to have, you know, trying to in, inject myself into the process and, and, and micromanage stuff. Yeah. And a good producer will manage the artist, you know what I mean? And, and, and John is, is great at this, you know, and, you know, he, he led me down to understand that you got to let the creative process happen and you have to let the musicians play that, you know, and I mean, unless you're like, you know, uh, um, you know, the guy from the, 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 the beach boys, Brian, what's his last name? Wilson, Brian Wilson, you know, and, and you're going to do pet sounds, you know, which is not me, you know, yeah. um, let the pros do it. I mean, that's what these guys do for a living and they're great at it, you know, and it took me a little bit. So to, to let go, cause it's so anyone that writes music and especially if they record them, you get attached to it. They're like your kids, right? You, you don't, you want to protect them. You want to mm-hmm. keep them true to what they are. Yeah. Um, and to hand it off to someone else and say, you know, go be free. <laughs> it's a big step. So I resisted that in the beginning. Yeah, totally. I, I, and I would have a big problem with that. Well, we talked a lot about this, how you produce your stuff and how you're involved. And you're much more involved in the production, I think, than I was. And I'll be even less this second around. Mm. And, and I think it's a personal thing. It's, it's mm. what works for you, your attention to detail mm-hmm. um, and what you like to do. You know? Yeah. Yeah, I think I think producers know a lot more about what the rest of the world wants to hear. 
because that's their job, right? Like they know what the the secret algorithm is in writing a song, and they help lead you down. Like I remember talking to Parts Per Million um, when they were in here, um, Paul and and Brian, talking about the production um, process and talking about how there was one of their songs, one of their favorite songs that they had produced, and the producer was like, "No, this is two songs. You gotta like." take this whole song Sorry. and cut it in half and and they were just like what right this was right. my masterpiece right and you want to take this whole thing out and they're and uh, and the, and they were like I, I don't know what to do and they and they but they did what you did and they said you know what these guys are professionals we got to listen to them we got to trust them and they were happy at the end and i mean god they're they're exploding they're they're incredible um, and their songs are great. And, and they, you know, when they came in, they, they thanked their producers and they were like, you know, we're, we're glad we did that. Um, and I that's what you did. Yeah, I did. And, but I yeah. think back in the day, you know, if you were signed on a label, the yeah. label would force you to do that stuff. Right. You know, mm -hmm. but now no one's on a label, right? And so you have the control over that. Yeah, yeah, um, totally. So, and everybody thinks they're Lennon and McCartney, you know, I think. But even mm -hmm. they had George Martin, right? Yeah, right. So, you know, it's. All right, so you got in to the studio, and yep. uh, like, how how did it unfold? Well, it was an early. We started at like eight o'clock, and I stopped at. Uh, I was on the way. I was running a little late. Um, there was some traffic, but I, I I stopped and I got a bunch of donuts and I bought a, a case of beer, because to, <laughs> to me that's you know you 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 jamming in the room. There's empties everywhere. I mean that's yeah, just yeah. the way it was. Yeah. So I bought a case of beer and I brought it. And they, the guys appreciated that. Um, so in the afternoon that was around, but. Um, but when I got there, they were already they were already working on the songs, mm. they, and, and they were playing them. And I walked into the room, um, hearing they did "Lucky One" was the first one they did, and and, uh, and I heard them playing that. I'm like, wow, you know, they, they they transferred my song into into you know, it sounded like you listened on the radio. Yeah, you know? and it was, and they were just noodling it, you know. Yeah. Um, but that's that's when I and and they you know it's like a whirlwind. It was like a whirlwind when I was mm -hmm. there. Um, so it was good. And I, and I played a little bit um, on it with them. Mm -hmm. And I, I learned early on in the studio that these guys, they're just, they're good. I mean, they're so much better than I ever could be. And, um, you know, let them, let them do their thing. Yeah. You know. Yeah. So. so talk about you. You said that they had this like paper and they would write down like code or something. Yeah, like it's that. the Nashville charting. I, I had never heard of it. Um, or the, I don't know what they call it. Something. It's, 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 I think it's pretty much just Nashville. But they, they take... Um, your song, and this is what the producer will do, and this makes it all happen so that when the guys arrive in the studio, the session guys, they, he just hands out this blocked out song. And, you know, it, it's like a, you know, if you're doing a blues, it's a one, four, five, one, right? Mm -hmm. Or, you know, five, seven, or whatever it is. And they would block it out. And then the upper right hand corner, it's in like, you know, B, and it's in the key of B. And the guys put it in, and it they read the they read this chart, and they know which which chords, which, you yeah. know, whether it's the four or the seven or mm -hmm. a diminished six or wh whatever they're doing, it's all based on those numbers. And they have certain codes, like a diamond I learned is a stop. It's a dead stop. Mm -hmm. So if they come across a diamond, the drummer will stop, you know, and he knows he has to build to that stop and do all those kinds of things. So they, and they all just read that. And it's, it's great for a singer because, you know, if you're in the key of C and you're having a hard time hitting a certain point of it, you know, they just change the C to a B yeah. and they play it and it's like nothing to them, you yeah. know? And, uh, and, and that's, 
that's great because you can you can do your music in any key that you want. Now yeah. you might not want to because a guitar is better in A's and E's than it is in you know yeah. C sharps yeah, or whatever. Yeah. You can hear your open. But they'll notes. do it. They'll throw capos on and do whatever they do to, to do <laughs> right. it. You know. Yeah. So. That's really cool. Yeah. Um, that was uh, something I learned. I didn't know that they did that. In yeah. Yeah. All right. So um, that you started with Lucky One. Um, you go in there jamming. Um, tell me about like something that um, some something that you didn't expect. I didn't, the- I didn't expect the speed, how fast it was going to go. Um, so they did, you know, they probably did two takes on the song um, and then they went live on it or even one take. They went through it once. We'd have a small, quick conversation um, about what, what is that the sound you want? How do you want it to be? What do you want it to be like? What do you want the guitars to sound like? And that all happened kind of in advance, but it was a, a review session. Mm. Um, and then it was like, okay, let's take it. They take it, they do it, and then there's probably five minutes of overdubs. They correct the mistakes. I mean, mm. these guys know exactly where they are. They're marking the charts where they, where they want to change what they did. And there's probably five minutes of that and then you move on to the next song. <laughs> it's crazy. That's it's insane. like assembly line music yeah. production. Yeah. You know. That's really cool. Yeah. All right, let's jump into some more music and then come back and talk a little bit more.
Thank you. Great to be back in Boston, yeah.
How you doing? <laughs> What's that? It's a masterpiece. It is, yeah. I, as are many Led Zeppelin songs. 
uh, you were, we were just talking about uh, Zeppelin albums and um, how. Uh, so when I grew up, I had two and three in the house, and my that's what I listened to with my parents. And then when I got a little bit older, I had to get one and four. I needed four because you know Stairway to Heaven was like um, sung and played by God. The anthem. Yeah, and and one just needed to have. But then as I got like older and more mature, I started listening to physical graffiti houses of the holy in through the outdoor and those three are i think the ones that have really influenced me mm. you know what about you i mean zeppelin's just at another level i mean the, the thing that i found interesting about um zeppelin and and this is a great um over the hills and far away is a good example of it is the structure the song structure uh, when I was in school, I took a class called Architecture of Music, and it was we, we sat and listened to classical music and, and learned what was the structure of sonatas and rondos and minuets and, and all these classical structures and, and, and where the key changes were and when they returned and all these things. And if you listen to Zeppelin, Jimmy Page obviously understood all this stuff, mm. and that's a good example. I think that one's a rondo. And, uh, and, you know, if you follow those structures as a songwriter, it just naturally sounds correct. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And um, I find that difficult to do consciously. Uh, you know, you get the chorus, cor- verse, verse, chorus, verse. You, know, you yeah. break and you can do that yeah. that thing, like the Beatles formula, I guess. Um, but stuff like this is just, it, it, there, it, it, you can trace it back to the, yeah. the, art, the classical art music. Yeah. So. Um, I didn't know they had names. Oh, Yeah. Yeah, that's yeah. cool. Well, you probably heard sonatas and minuet, minuets, right? I, I, I've seen the word, but I have yeah. no idea what they mean. Yeah, there's, stru- <laughs> there's structures. They're actually, um, yeah. you know, certain structures. Yeah, that's cool. I, I find myself, a lot of my songs are written with the same kind of structure. Mm-hmm. Um, and I get really happy when I come up with a song that breaks the mold. I'm like, oh, this one's different. <laughs> you know what I mean? And then I have like four that follow the same structure. And they don't sound the same. But when I go back, I'm like, oh, I did the same thing I did last time. Verse, you know, start with the bass, then the guitar comes. You know, I was like, man, why do I want my songs? I think a lot of people will tell you that a hit song, it, there's a formula for the structure and where the returns are and, you know, yeah. 3.30, you know, four minutes or whatever. I mean, all of that mm-hmm. stuff. And you got to hit the chorus within a certain time. And There is, yeah. You know, so, so if you're looking mm-hmm. to write hit music... Yeah. Um, probably worth understanding that. Yeah, yeah. right. Yeah, I don't know that I really think about that. I just think about writing good music. That's what a producer will do. Yeah, right. He'll take right. Yeah, he'll take it and kind of erase. So uh, one of the questions I want to ask you about the process in Nashville um, and recording. Yeah. Um, did they change change any of your stuff more than you thought it would change and if so how structurally or sound wise either a- anything sound wise for sure yeah um because well you know some were, were were true to the demo like that okay someday was probably the closest to the demo um other stuff um went out in a different direction Mm. Um, and like I said earlier, I resisted that in the beginning, but now after it, you know, it kind of marinates with you after a while you listen to it. I'm like, that it's better, you know, it's, mm. it's the right way to do it. So yeah, they, they, they changed the sound for sure. And where the, where the, where the breaks would be, meaning, you know, when the drums would stop or I had straight drums through, they would change the drum in the middle, those kinds of things. Um, 
structurally, they, they um, John recommended shorting, shortening a solo. Like I know in the song Lucky One, I had a long um, solo in there. Mm -hmm. And, you know, he, he recommended shorten it, so we shortened it. Mm -hmm. And, you know, they had to do an improv um, chord progression because it, you have to get back to the one in a different way because it, the solo was cut in half. Mm. So, and these guys, it was great because I watched them, you know, and, and I was involved in it, but really they, they were running with They stand and they talk it through and they're four, let's go to the six and then we'll go back to the one and yeah, that'll work. Okay, let's do that. And they change the chart and sure enough, it, it flows and it works and it, yeah. and it makes, it, it goes with the whole theme of the song. They did, you know, that happened. And then I dove in one time, I remember in, in, uh, in OK Someday, there's a middle break there where it drops down and... and uh, and gets kind of quiet, and, and um, I wanted to have this particular um, melodic line happen in that one part. And it was always in my head, and when I had demoed it, I had it. On, I think I had it on a, a guitar there somewhere buried in the back of the mix. But I said, "This is an opportunity." So, I, so I, I, I told John, and 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 we we got in with the band manager, who was the keyboardist at the time, and I hummed to him. I just sang. I said, "I want to do that, and I want to do this." You know, I think this part should have this melody in it and, and you know they stopped everything and you know he, he the guitarist and the keyboardist got together and they they noted it out and they they you know played it out and they sang it out and they said okay that's it and they marked their charts they went back and lo and behold when they played it it was there and it was exactly how i mm. talked about it, it was exactly how i imagined it and you know it's the caliber of the musicians i mean they, they yeah. just it's what they do for a living i mean yeah. they're, they're you know they're, they're, and, and John was able to bring the best of Nashville into this. I mean, these guys have resumes that are unbelievable. Mm -hmm. I mean, they're, they're, I think they're mostly guys that, that did the touring thing, uh, you know, with, with the Luke Combs of the world and, mm. and, and all that. And, you know, just like I mean, they grow up and they want to settle down, they may have a family and they live in Nashville, they don't want to be on the road for six, eight months. Mm -hmm. So they do the studio thing. And, yeah. And they're fantastic. Yeah, that is awesome. And it shows in the album. I mean, you listen to the album the whole way through, it's like, it's it's a professional it's real deal album. Yeah. I mean, it's it's great. And it's I awesome. and I was reduced to overdubs as a musician, you know. So I overdubbed some acoustics and some electrics, mm -hmm. um, and I played harmonica on it. But um, you know, it, it the main tracking, it was done by those guys. And, yeah. And you know they're fantastic. Yeah. And I will well, and I'm do it the same way. Yeah. Well, you're the songwriter. Yeah. You I wrote you the song. created all this stuff. So right. yeah, I mean you should be proud of being well, able thank to you very much being able to put together such an awesome album and i mean cerebral or not you you put all these together it was your vision and you came and handed it to people who could just kind of you know finish it you know i think that's awesome that's yeah. really cool it, it's a great process i mean yeah. if you unless you want to unless you want to spend the time and dive in and you have the patience and the talent to be the brian wilson and orchestrate mm -hmm. the whole thing. And I know you do that and you do it really well. I mean, we heard your song there and that's, we jammed that song. And, yeah. Yeah. And yeah. And it's, it's, it's a fantastic song, and, but that's, that's a talent that you have that I don't have. Well, you're you know? pretty good. At, you're, I mean, you helped me write that. Well, I, you yeah, know, but the, but the point is, <laughs> I, I, I appreciate that, but I, I'm not, I don't have the patience or the, the focus to, to do what yeah. a producer does. Right. You know, I, I may have the ideas, mm. um, but taking an idea and delivering it to a final product, it's the execution, right? It's, it's like yeah. man, that, that's where yeah. I think anyone who's looking to make a real record, um, find a good producer, mm -hmm. unless you're like you. You're one of the guys that, that can do it. You well, know? Uh, so I need a 
good producer. Like none of the stuff that is mine out in the world was done by a hundred percent me. Like I find producers who, who I talk to and get it and will, will put up with me, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know, yeah. uh, with, with me needing to do it my way. Um, and uh, of course I will, you know, I have to trust them. So if they are like, no man, you got to do this. I'll be like, okay, you know, right. but, um, none of my stuff is all done by me. And that's one of the things at uh, my way, the song, my way is the first song off my first album. And I caught it. I call it my way. And I call the album my way because, um, for so long I was trying to find other people, put bands together and, you know, find people to help me do this and getting those four people, five people in a room on a regular basis who are focused and, you know, want to do that. It's just really hard to do, especially at my age where right. kids, wife, career, you sure. know. Well, so, that's how we met, right? It was right. When you were going through that process. Yeah. yeah. So, um, I, so I was like, you know what? I'm not waiting for anybody else. I'm going to learn how to do it all. And, and I tried to do it all my way but what i realized during that process was i do need other people but they're not what i thought it was and the producer was the number one thing you know the produ the production is one thing because they're like the the center ring guy that's mm -hmm. controlling the whole thing mm -hmm. um the other key components that i learned are the engineer is huge and i i thought it was interesting because i mean it was great because it was you think of it right out of the 70s like you know they they took a, a a Fender Deluxe Reverb, and it was probably a vintage one, right? And they stuck it in a closet, jammed a, a, a fifty seven in front of it, yeah, and dimed every every knob on it. it. Everything was on ten, and and that was the sound that they wanted through that, and, <laughs> and, and it was fantastic. It was and you know they're playing a Telecaster, yeah, and and you know it got it got a good Stonesy kind of sound, mm -hmm. which is what what I wanted on that, but. So the, the engineer that knows how to do all that mm -hmm. is key. And then the other piece that you, you can't underestimate, um, which I didn't see, I didn't, wasn't involved in it, was the mixing, was the yeah. mix, right? Yeah. So John, well, that's what the producer does really, though, right? Well, yeah, John mixed this, but I think, because it was interesting, because when, when we were recording this, I heard the engineer talk to the producer and say, who's mixing this? Are you mixing this? And I think, you know, playing the kind of music that I play in, in Nashville, it was different, right? Because I'm, I'm throwing Pink Floyd crap, and they're used to doing, you know, uh, you know, I don't, whatever, the, Tanya Tucker. I don't, I don't know. I don't yeah. even know who the artists are. But, but you know, so it's, I think it's refreshing for those musicians. And, and I think to mix something that, that's, you know, rock, as opposed, it doesn't probably happen as often as it does, uh, you know, in, in L.A. or whatever it is. So... So, the, but the mixer is huge. The mix is huge, and especially now that you can bounce stuff around and you mm -hmm. can move parts in different places, mm -hmm. you know that that's you can't underestimate the yeah the power of the mix. Right. Yeah. Fix it in the mix. Right. Yeah. You know, exactly. Yeah. Uh, and sound better. The thing that you brought up is a is a great way to find help. Right. Yeah. So, mm -hmm. sound better is a a website where there are studio musicians for hire. And you can um, virtually, you know, you pay them by the hour or by whatever their um, chart is. And um, you can get a mixer, or you can get a drummer, or a session guitarist, a bass player, a singer, a, someone to j help you write lyrics. Like whatever you want, um, there's someone on Sound Better 
who's got some kind of musical value to add to your project and just finding the right person is uh is what you gotta do and that and that, that's kind of like the alternative to going into the studio you know if you can do some of the stuff yourself um and have like you know hire what i do usually is i hire a drummer i hire a mixer and a producer and sometimes a singer and then i do the strings mm. and um the mixer slash producer just puts it all together and um it's it's a different process than the studio um, very different than what i did yeah, yeah yeah but it's um i mean you still get you get a finished product um hopefully that you like um but i'm really interested to try the studio thing i want to go into the studio and actually meet the musicians and actually jam with them and uh, so I, I had yeah. this i had this vision going into this yeah that I, you know i would show up we'd be in the studio it'd be you know and I, and I had a picture like the studio, you know, there's a bottle of Jack Daniels in the corner, <laughs> yeah, somebody smoking right. a cigarette, you know, and, and we're the all drummers got no shirt on. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> right. And, uh, you know, we're all talking about the song. We're like, all right, let's, let's, uh, let's play it, you know, let's play it out. And, and, and then, you know, kind of talk about it and rehearse it a little bit. And the way, the way that I did when I played in a band, you know, you guys get together, you're introducing a new song to them and you play, I thought that would be the process. Yeah not the case yeah it's all business down there it was so fast it was just you know yeah you know and so I, i'm thinking this next go around um i i maybe want to slow things down a little mm. bit um just for my own good so mm-hmm. you know and, and i want to talk to to uh, producers about this and say you know can we go an extra day in the studio mm-hmm. can we slow things down and just you know and, and what's that work out to and what's it yeah. mean you know and all that kind of stuff and uh, would the product be any better? I don't know. Yeah. You know, but I want to have that conversation. But it's yeah. so fast, man. It's, yeah, that's cool. Yeah. So how can people hear your music? So it's out on everything. You know, it's on uh, Amazon. It's on Spotify. It's on YouTube. It's on iTunes. It's on, uh, you know, wherever. wherever I went through um, a place called CDBaby.com. Yes. Yep. Um, know it well. And, and they produced And it goes all over the world. And yep. You know, it's uh, it's interesting because you get a report about where it gets played. And sometimes, you know, someone in in you know in Hungary shazammed my song. And like, oh, that's fantastic, you know. What <laughs> yeah, I mean? right. But uh, you know, so that's kind of that's kind of encouraging. But it, it's you know the, the the podcast that that I think is really important if you want to be in music. And I don't want to be a rock star. It's not that's not why I did this. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's you have the fantastic product. How do you market it? And, you know, a buddy of mine um, does this for a living. He, he, was, uh, he ran Fearless Records in, in L.A. For, for a long time, and he broke the plain white tees and, and, and did all this. And, and he used to, he, he, you know, he was a drummer, um, but he got involved in the business. And, uh, and he runs a whole thing, uh, like a, uh, a campaign on how to market. And if I were to, to want to market this, I would, I would spend the money and, and get a guy like that who was in the business that mm-hmm. knows how to market it. And he was telling me, you know, you can, you can pay, pay to play. Like, you can, you can pay radio stations, and they'll play all, all the time. But it just costs you money. And if it takes off, then, then you can get it. But, but who listens to the radio now, you know? So right. I don't know the answer, but I'm sure there's a lot of people listening to this that say, how can you get your stuff sound? Right. You know? Yeah. But at the end of the day, music sounds good if it is good. Yeah. And if you have crap music... Mm. Uh, not gonna be yeah you know what's what i've uh 
read and and believe that there is no crap music and the, the music that i think is crap there is a demographic for that there's a group of people who freaking love it i don't mean crap the writing of the song yeah how it's recorded how it's presented how it's played yeah okay like if you don't know how to play the instrument yeah, yeah. there's wrong notes in it yeah you know that's that's yeah. what I mean. Yeah, that's yeah. That's what I mean, right? Yeah, yeah, I hear you. I hear you. But I... I, I, I mean, Over the Hills and Far Away, I've tried to play that in a band a thousand times. Yeah. It never sounds like Zeppelin. You right. know what I mean? So that's, yeah. that's what I mean. Yeah, yeah. I hear you. I hear you. Uh, but, but still, I think what I'm trying to say is there are so many different types of music out there, some that I just can't stand, and uh, but millions or hundreds of thousands of people love it. Yeah. So... I have to have hope, you know what I mean? Because, <laughs> like, you know, mine, mine might be crap. It probably is. But how but do you reach those people? Exactly. That's, that's the question. I was going to ask you that question. <laughs> I don't, I don't know. I mean, I don't, I don't get the exposure. Yeah. I, I mean, I think, you know, you have way more listens on your music than my music. I mean, I, so how I, let me ask you, how do you do it? Well, you know, I don't know how to do it. Yeah. It's, uh, it's, there's lots of, little things to do um social is big um you know sharing socially um there's a um you can pay to get on playlists um that's one way to do it um i have a um an agent who helps me um reach people through pr um so when i release my album uh my way um got a bunch of write-ups in some um, pretty cool magazines, That's cool. yeah, Scope magazine and uh, a couple other um, kind of more indie magazines. Yeah. Uh, but when those happen, when they hit, you see the spike and the music go up for that, you know, for that week or whatever, which is really so you cool. know you're getting results. Yeah, yeah, totally. Um, and you know, you, you got to post it everywhere. You got to post it on on YouTube and Spotify and Amazon and. Uh, but my listens don't compare to, you know, lots of local bands in this area. I mean, not even close. Yeah, I don't know. But I don't um, even try to market mine. Yeah. You know, I, I don't. Yeah. How can people find your um, video? So that is on my YouTube channel, mm -hmm. um, which is different because I, I published it or the, the CD Baby published it on YouTube. Mm. And I think they created a channel for for my music. Mm -hmm. But then I have my own that I yeah. was, that I had, I, you know, put some stuff on there. Yeah. So I think it's online, but if you search my name, um, and lucky one, you'll find it. And it's, it's called the Nashville recordings, I think is what it was. All right. Um, Lou Freight, the lucky one, Nashville recordings. Yeah. Actually Lewis, L O U I S. I, oh. I, I go by Lou, but if you search Lou, I don't think it comes up. I don't, I don't know. Lewis Freight. Okay, yeah. cool. That's good yeah. to know. I've been saying Lou the whole time. Well, that's <laughs> what I go by. But I, I, on the right, on the, in the you know, you, you fill out the metadata and what's your name? I put my name. Yeah. I mean, that's, that was my name. So, huh. Interesting. Yeah. All right, let's jump into one more quick music break and uh, we will wrap this baby up. Sounds good.
town to catch a quick glimpse of your face through the warm summer glow in the deep winter snow i find myself back at your place you're a tough prima donna you get what you wanna you never end up in the shade for someone like me you're just ecstasy Of a woman who just made a man I can't help but stare as you wash in your hair The scent of you fill in the air I'm a regular Joe, no one else seems to know And you got my head up in a daze You can come over here, babe, the future it's been All right, that was some more of Lou Freight or Louis Freight. 
that was lucky one. That was lucky one, right? That was lucky one. Yeah, yeah we got some dead air tonight. A little yeah. bit, a little too much dead air. Um, it's like. Uh, yeah, wiggle your mic. Oh, there we go. This is really like it. Yeah, you know, this is. Get the tape. <laughs> okay, we need more it's like, duct it's like tape. NPR. We need more duct tape. <laughs> yeah, you know what I think it is. I, you know, when I when I said we need uh, the songs in a specific format, like for some reason these they they're not going they're automatically not into yeah. the other one. So, um, but that's okay. We're uh, we're about at the end of our time, anyways. Uh, talk about Lucky One. The the song. Yeah. Itself. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean it's it's uh we talked a little bit before I think um, with you it's. You know, it, it's that's probably the only um, autobiographical one. In the, oh, yeah, 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 that's right. You know, so mm -hmm. it, it's it's about, you know, it's about, you know, my life and me meeting my wife mm -hmm. and the courting process. And, mm -hmm. and you know, I've been blessed in my life. I just, right. I mean, I, I couldn't ask for, for more than I've been given. So, um, you know, that's, that, that's why I named the record that because yeah. that, that's really what, yeah. you know, because I'm at a point where I can do this, you know, mm -hmm. and I'm lucky. Yeah. What's next for Lewis Freight? So I'm I'm continuing the work with John Kennedy Productions out of Nashville. Um, I think he does a great job. He brings in the best talent, and he's easy to work with. Mm -hmm. He listens, which is huge. Um, and I'm going to make a second one. So nice. I, I've I've sent him thirteen. Well, actually fourteen. I sent him a new one. I did. This is one of the ones that I did just like yesterday. Yeah. When I had some free time, my wife was with the kids. I said, I'll lay something down. So, um, I, and I, and it's because this, this particular go around, it, it, it's kind of a darker music. Um, it's a different, darker sound, a heavier sound, mm. I think for me. Um, and a lot, I wanted something a little bit more upbeat. So I, I came up with this little, uh, you know, it's kind of a, a, a rock and roll kind of, you know, 12 bar type of thing yeah. that I think would go good. You know, it's called All the Way. And, uh, nice. So I'll throw that one on there. And, uh, so that gives me 14. Mm -hmm. Then I'm thinking, how many do you need for a double album? <laughs> you know? <laughs> yeah. I think so maybe I can write write uh, four or five more. Yeah, for in the week. next couple of days. Yeah, it sounds we'll like you happens. probably could just push them right out. <laughs> That's awesome. Uh, what advice would you give to uh, musicians now who are um, trying to figure out how to record their music? I would I would say move forward. Uh, don't put fear, in, don't put fear in, in your in your way. And and I also think don't be your own enemy. Don't don't be chasing down perfection. Um, you know you hear like I was a Stones fan. They say Mick Jagger's the hardest working guy in in the music business, shooting for per perfection or whatever. And you you're not Mick Jagger. You know what I mean. You're not at that level to do it. So I, I, my advice is go forward. And see what what's gonna get you're gonna get obstacles. You'll get through them if you if you believe in your music and you're passionate. And the other thing I would recommend, if you have the resources, bring in help. Yeah, you know, hire mm -hmm. pros because you know they're they're they know what they're doing. And and if the end if the end result is what you're looking for, that's the fastest way there. If you love the process and you're a hands-on guy, and you're Brian Wilson. You know, then then do it that way and enjoy it because mm -hmm. that's that's what this is about. It's creating art. That's that's what it's about. Yeah, that's my advice. And, and you know, whether you can or can't, you're right. So, say that again. Whether you believe you can or can't, you're right. Oh right, that's yeah. a Henry Ford. Oh, Henry nice. Ford I like thing. that. Yeah. That's cool. I like that. Yeah. Nice. 
Well, uh, it, this was a great show. Uh, it was a lot of fun, and I love picking your brain about the Nashville experience. Come down with me. Yeah, maybe I will. Tell me when you're going. And uh, I, yeah. I mean, I would love to go out and, and experience You'll be that. hooked, man. You'll be hooked. Yeah, I don't know. I might uh, I might be like, I can't give away my control. <laughs> <laughs> you know, we'll see. But uh, that, that sounds awesome. So Louis Freight, you can find him on uh, all uh streaming media whether it's youtube or uh, spotify amazon music itunes uh his new album lucky one uh just came out it's amazing um lewis is, is a uh, a great songwriter and he's found some pros to um add to this art and um the, the album is just it's phenomenal uh, and the video is so cool too. I mean, I love watching documentaries and I really loved watching this because it, it shows the stuff that you want to see in a documentary about like musicians, but it was you, yeah. <laughs> which made it was yeah. really cool. Well, what I found great, cause I didn't, you know, he was, he was documenting it. The, the producer, the producer for the, for the documentary was doing, it. he was in the process doing it while I was in the control room or, or whatever I was doing. And, um, you know, he took the time out and he talked to all the musicians. He he like interviewed them, and it yeah. was it was great for me to see their perspective on the music. Mm -hmm. I found that I found that amazing because yeah. you know because they're all business, and and you know you don't really have a lot of time to talk to them because they're always recording. You know, yeah. and so you know it was great to hear what they thought about the music and and me as a songwriter and what they thought about the songs and yeah and how they were presented. That was that was so so watching it that was all new to me. It was, it was fulfilling. Yeah, Check it out. It's on YouTube. It's called the Nashville Recordings. Um, and it will give you a good insight of what, what it was like. Yeah, that's cool. Um, all right. So uh, thank you for coming in. Thank you for having me. We'd love to have you back sometime, whether it's to talk about your music, your new stuff, or uh, you know, maybe to help me do a show about Pink Floyd or something like that. Well, you? yeah, when we, when we get the second, second album done, I'll... Uh, I'll ping you. Yeah. This is great. You know, it's a great opportunity. And, and I, I'm, I, don't, I would encourage people that are making music um, to reach out to you because this is a great forum, you know, to, mm -hmm. to get your stuff out and, and, uh, and talk about it. Yeah. Well, you can email us at media at waveradioboston.com. And uh, we can find a place for you, whether it's on uh, Harmonic Headspace or a different show. Uh, I'm sure we could find something uh, for everybody you know, there's hundreds of thousands of people right now.
Whoa! 